here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Yeah, that it is with a massive grand final eve show coming away from a hotel room in Brisbane. And I can tell you that the atmosphere in Brisbane on grand final eve is something a little bit different to grand final eve atmosphere in Melbourne, which is a bit of a shame, but we're not complaining. We are all thankful that the AFL and the Queensland government have done a magnificent job, but checked into my hotel room yesterday and uh, I asked the lady at reception, I said, oh, excuse me, do you know how far the Gabba is away from here? And she said, what's the Gabba? So that's what we're dealing with up here, folks, and it is a little bit flattening that the game won't be played at the magnificent MCG and the best week of the year is grand final week in Victoria isn't happening. But uh, good news with the coronavirus cases remaining at one today. So hopefully this time next year, we will all be celebrating a normal grand final. But that's not going to stop us from having a massive grand final eve show today. I really want to get you involved. I know it's a public holiday. If you're bored, what I do want is your greatest grand final memories. If you've been lucky enough to attend a grand final, what was the first grand final you went to and what is your favourite grand final memory? I'd love for you to join in and share those experiences and memories with us here on the Captain's Run this morning. As always, the show is yours. one 736 736 We're opening up the lines all morning. We've got a big one coming up. we we got some premiership superstars joining us and not, not players that have done it once, not players that have just been to one grand final. We have multiple premiership superstars joining us. Looking forward to reliving some of those memories with some guests coming up. Hutto's going to be at the forefront as he has been for the last 20 years of the commentary team for us on AFL Nation tomorrow with Gary Lyon and Jared Waitley. Hutto will preview it up with us and we'll, to, we'll ask him about his preparation heading into a big game that he's calling. Massive trade news. Sam Edmund with a trade update after 10 o'clock. We've got a big grand final theme quiz, Chad's brother's uh, quiz this morning, and the Brownlow medalist, Lockie Neal, will also join us. We're here thanks to Apollo League, apolloleague.com. Elevate your career. Get involved. Join in the conversation. It is a grand final theme captain's run this morning. We'll get to that shortly, but I want to start the show like I always do with this. Yeah, there's been some outrage, hasn't there? There's been some real outrage over the effectiveness of the AFL's free agency model after GWS superstar Jeremy Cameron announced that he's joining grand finalist Geelong. Now, I don't think free agency's perfect. For starters, I think the compensation model is a joke. And as Terry Wallace pointed out, any system that has the potential to reward a high draft pick for Brad Crouch than Jeremy Cameron is completely broken. But I do think in its entirety, free agency is good for the game. For a player like Cameron, who's grown up at the Giants since he was 17 years of age and spent nine or 10 seasons on that list, I'm okay with him choosing where he wants to finish his career. I think that is good for the players and good for the game. But I'll tell you what isn't good for the game. Unproven players who get drafted, spend two years on a club list, and then nominate their club of choice to leave on multi-million dollar contracts is not. Yesterday, GWS midfielder Jai Caldwell announced he's off to Essendon on a five-year contract. 
He's reportedly going to earn $500,000 a season. He's played 11 games. Now, I'm not blaming the player. If you put $2.5 million in front of any 20-year-old, of course they are going to take it. But what I am blaming is the system. Jackson Haightley is another giant who has only spent two seasons at the Giants, and he's out. He's coming back to his home state to play with the Crows. It's not right. The Crows have also been on the other end. Jack Gunston's exit was ugly after spending only two years at Adelaide, and Jake Lever left the Crows after only three. But the Giants can't complain either. They've been on the other end when they poached Melbourne's 2009 first pick in the draft, Tom Scully, out after he spent only two seasons and 31 games at the D's. Lockie Weller left Fremantle for a mega deal to join Gold Coast after only three years at the Dockers. And who could forget Tom Boyd leaving the Giants for the Bulldogs on a $7 million deal when he had just nine games to his name? It is a blight on the game and it wrecks clubs' future plans. But the solution is easy. As it stands right now, any draftee is required to sign a guaranteed two-year contract. Their base wage and match payments are set. Now, all the AFL needs to do is place an option for another two years that the club can choose to trigger if they want to. And the wage should continue to be set, to be guaranteed. We can't have unproven 11-game players like Coldwell continuing to leave chasing money. So at least AFL clubs and those managing the lists know that when a player is drafted to them, they have them guaranteed for at least four years if they choose. Let's not get caught up in the free agency drama. On the whole, that system works. Two-year players fleeing after two years at one club is a much more serious issue. one 736 736 is the number if you want to have your say on that. Or you can send us a temper text on 0433 Talk about any trade you like. We'll do that in depth with Sammy Edmund, who has been all over it. Broke the news about Brad Crouch joining the Saints. He will join us. And you can have your say on free agency or players leaving their clubs after two years. And what is your solution to fix that? But we are grand final eve. I want to take your grand final memories right throughout the morning through until 12 o'clock today. And I'm glad Peter in Tullamarine is going to kick us off. Pete, your favourite grand final memory. Welcome to the captain's run. Oh, yeah, no doubt 1990 uh, came for Magpies winnings. Um, yeah, it was a great memory. I can remember the players running around the ground with a cup and that. Yeah, was it, Take um, us through it, mate. Your, your favourite Magpie of that era, who was it? Oh, it was probably um, Peter Dacos, obviously the Macedonian Marvel. It was pretty <laughs> pretty clever, pretty skillful. Left, left and right side of his body was brilliant. But I remember the day very well. It was a clear day. It was a windy day. And it was pretty ordinary game, let's be honest. But I mean, it doesn't matter. We got the points and got the premiership. Yeah, I don't think it was it matters. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, it was just, um, oh, it was just unbelievable. Everyone was just happy, and apart from Essen supporters, obviously, it was Good a brilliant you, day after the disappointment. Thanks for kicking of, us um, off this morning. Nineteen ninety, Peter's favourite grand final memory. And if if you've got any traditions that you that you do on grand final day, if you don't go to the game, I know it's completely different this year we're not talking about this year but what what are your grand final traditions Who, who's welcoming your house usually for grand final day what's on the menu what little things do you have uh how cold's the beer all that i would love to for you to share those memories in happier times on grand final day it is an absolute institution in victoria and 
Yeah, completely different, but happy to go back in time and relive some of those memories. Tom's in Seaford, your favourite grand final memory, Tom? Oh, well, Kane, it's the same one, 1990. Look, in my lifetime, after 10 attempts, uh, you get pretty conditioned <laughs> seeing all those losses. But when Doug Barwick kicked the goal, um, now I think there were six minutes left, we, and then Monkhurst got one, we're eight goals up, even the most hardened sort of fear sort of seeped mm. away for once because oh, we were all waiting for the Essendon comeback, which didn't eventuate, but we were that conditioned. <laughs> We'd seen it that many times. <laughs> but to have that last five minutes knowing we are probably going to win this, it was a great, great feeling. And I do feel for the Swans people, Port, mm. yourself, all the people and the dogs, of course, when you get the one, the faithful that have stayed with them, uh, you know, and only been in a handful, I still hope... Um, St Kilda and Melbourne can snatch one, even though a lot of Melbourne people hate Collingwood. You don't begrudge them a win because they've stuck with their clubs. And uh, and just back to your first point about young players getting generous contracts after two or three years, you know, they're going to have to do something about this because these, many of these blokes are untested. So it could be, a, you know... Exactly. You know, that it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a payday without being tested and it could backfire on some of them. Kane. Exactly right, Tom. Exactly right. That's why I think the AFL needs to take that out of the hands. In American sport, you don't get a mega pay deal after two years. Even if you are Zion Williamson and you are the out-and-out next superstar of the NBA, you, your contract is set for a four- or five-year period. It's based on a tier system get paid well but you're not getting max contracts after four years in the system we can't have this where an 11 game player is leaving and signing for 2.5 million bucks and we don't know if he's any good yet uh, it just, just doesn't sit well with me I think it's a much more serious issue than uh, free agency Stewie's in Ferntree Gully g'day to you Stewie your favourite grand final memory you can share with us Kano I'm a Geelong supporter so I love don't, the. Don't, uh, don't say 2007, Stewie. You got, got, got many other options you can choose from, Stewie. Right, come on, I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got another one. I love the uh, the toe poke from uh, Scarlet yeah. to Ablett and Chappie snapping the goal. But I also love Meatloaf from 2011, mate. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Good on you, Stewie. I think he might have dropped the the bomb with us this morning. I'm not sure if he did. Was I hearing things? But he's pumped up, as he should be. The Cats are back in another grand final. I've got so many things I want to talk about this morning. I also want to address Gary Ablett. I did see Mark Bomber-Thompson, his former coach, says Ablett is the best player that he has ever seen. Now, that is a talkback topic, if I've ever seen one. We'll address that shortly in the first hour as well and get your thoughts on Bomber's claims that Gaz is the best ever. Best ever. He's not far away. Mark is in South Mem- uh, South Melbourne, I should say. Mark, your favourite grand final memory? I won't say favourite. Being a St Kilda supporters, I would say the ifs. It would <laughs> yeah. start with uh, Darren Jarman against Adelaide. With mm-hmm. um, Geelong, the kick, Scarlet, that someone just mentioned. Then it would start with Ellie Shaw's mother. Went to the last draw. But the worst thing about all of the last draw was the next day I owned back then a limousine company and I went to pick up the Collingwood boys the next day and they go, what the hell are you doing here after we've beaten you? And I said, mate, I've got to think, I've got to, you know, get some consideration that I'm actually picking you guys up because no other bastard would. And Chris Dawes was in the car and he goes, I'll be remembered for being the best forward 
in that grand five one game and was a superstar after that. And then let's go back to the five-year contracts of players. Mm. That's the most dangerous thing that's happening in recruiting at the moment. That how many five years, seven years have failed. It doesn't mm. work. And your St Kilda, your St Kilda Mark have just handed Brad Crouch, the player who's averaged eleven games across his career with his body, a five-year contract. It's it's a risk. It's a, a really good point you make. Uh, Brandon's on the line. He wants to continue that topic of uh, young players leaving the club they're drafted to after a couple of seasons. Jai Caldwell is the latest. Brandon, your thoughts on that? Hey, Kane. I'll give you my uh, grand final memory just to start Please. off. I actually yep. was lucky enough to get a ticket to the grand final last year. Um, I managed to go one, uh, get one ticket by myself. So I was sitting on the AFL members' wing. Um, and got to say, it was the best day of my life. Um, best game I've ever been to, even though it was one-sided. Um, the fact that half-time I went downstairs and grabbed myself four frothies and then went back and just sat down and enjoyed it was, um, you know, the best part about being there. And, you know, sitting there at three-quarter time, knowing your team's won was even better. So, mm. yeah, that's, that's my grand final memory. And disappointing I don't get to go there this year and, and see yeah. it. But, um, you know... It's, still good that we've got footy back. I think everybody in Victoria has sort of been really struggling mentally and emotionally. So it's good that, you know, we're able to watch the game um, tomorrow night. So, yeah, fingers crossed the Tigers can get a win. But, um, you know, either way, I'll I'll be pretty happy that we've just got a game to watch. Well said, mate. What's your thoughts Um, on Jai Caldwell? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I agree and disagree. Just lost... Brandon there, he just dropped out. I think he was on the road. I had a, a moment there. I thought I dropped out, but I didn't. It was just a call of Brandon. Give us a call back if you'd like to. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Johnny's got a grand final memory for us. John, you've been patient. Thanks for thanks for waiting. That's okay, Kane. Yeah, look, my grand final memory's from nineteen eighty three. I'm an Essendon supporter. Grew up grew up in um Essendon. And it was the first grand final that uh, Essendon had made in my well not my lifetime, but, you know, mm. as far as I can remember, too, too young when uh, they were in the 68 grand final. And my memory is just the way that, um, you know, Keeler Road and Mount Alexander Road, shops, the growth of the supermarket, uh, the real estate agent, you know, all had Essendon colours in their windows, the houses had scarves hanging out. Um, it was an amazing community feeling um, and just, just the atmosphere... You know, when you walk down the main street there in Killer Road and, and, and Mount Road around, it was just, just fantastic. Even though we we, we lost the, the grand final in 83 by a record margin, I just, I just won't forget that, that uh, feeling, of the, the build-up to it. Where did you um, watch it, Johnny? Can you remember exactly where you were? Yeah, at the MCG, unfortunately. You were there. <laughs> I was there and, uh, um, you know, it was a... Dreadful, dreadful uh, day. But at the very least, we got we got we got it back on them the following year and the year after that. So that that certainly made it. But yeah, it was a terrible day. But on, on the I've been an Essendon supporter on the uh, Jai Coldwell thing. I, I I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I can't believe that we've we've offered uh, you know such a young player with only 11 games experience such a huge contract. It's, mm. it's just 
the mind boggles. Um, it does. Go on, you mate. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and your memories with us. It is a massive grand final eve edition of the Captain's Run. What I am asking you for is is the first grand final you attended or your, your greatest memory of grand finals. There's so many we can work our way through this morning. And if you want to have your say on uh, what I think is a big issue come trade period, and that's players who have spent a brief amount of time at one club, leaving to join another on multi-million dollar contracts when they are unproven, it's a bigger issue than AFL free agency. We're up and running. We'll get to Paul and Andrew, Corey, Pete and Mark on the other side of this. Yeah, that's our man Meatloaf. That is our man Meatloaf. We are taking your calls on your favourite grand final memories. That was an unforgettable moment. Paul's been waiting patiently. Paul, what is your favourite grand final memory? Thanks for your call. No worries, Kane. 2016, I'm looking at my grand final ticket, which I've kept. Level oh. 1, Bay M15, Row J, Seat 14. <laughs> it was a dream come true, and I got down on the fence and shot Caleb Daniels' hand, and Clay Smith gave me a hug. It was, so the ones, obviously 2004 was my favourite, but of the ones I've been to, 2016 was the, the most extraordinary that I've ever been to. Paul, what, when did you know you'd won it? Was there a moment where you could at least relax in the last couple of minutes? Oh, when JJ kicked that long goal, I thought we were home and then it was disallowed and I thought, here we go again. Not, mm. Don't tell me it's going to happen again, but um, clearly uh, Tom Boyd, I knew that we had it in the bag when Big Tom kicked that goal. That was a great day. I remember just watching Liam Pickin and his family. He had young kids running around and his wife was out on the ground. I was watching. I was like, oh, gee, I'm envious of that feeling. That that hour after the game is, is the best feeling in sport. And that was a, a very special day for all you Western Bulldogs fans. Andrew's in Perth. Uh, you want to talk about draftees or young players leaving their club after a short period, Andrew. Your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I did. Can I mention my grand final memory? Of course you can. <laughs> I've had a, I've, I've had, a, I had a couple of good ones as a, an Eagles fan, but I still think '92 when Peter Matera ran round the wing and kicked that goal from about 55, hmm. and all of a sudden we hit the front, and the idea that a, a team from outside Victoria could actually win this thing—it hmm. uh, was—it was pretty awesome. It was—it's um, it, pretty hard to. Uh, to convey it was up until that point it didn't feel real that we we're really in an AFL grand final if that makes sense what was and, the week uh, like just, in Perth uh, after so when the team came home can you remember like their reception what it was yeah, like well yeah I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a similar age to the players in that team and a couple of them are mates of mine Peter Wilson's a good mate and uh, the, the Swanbourne Hotel on the uh, Sunday afternoon after the boys got back was um, uh, was, was uh, it was pretty big um, I don't remember much of it after about 10:30, uh, but it was uh, the whole week was um, yeah, it was a big week. There was the there was the parade through town, the get together in the the park. It, it was uh, it was just a, but it was it was just that uh, it was. It's really hard to explain. We'd been in a grand final before, but it it didn't really feel like we could ever really win one. And it was mm. just when we won that one, it was just incredible. But on the on the draft thing, Kane. Um, I've got, I think you're right that there should be a, a longer draft period. The only thing is the AFL needs to get it right. We don't have uh, many ways into the AFL. We don't have uh, uh, the ability to sign a mature age free agent outside the draft, really. Mm. Um, and as a result, you get a Tim Kelly who's drafted at, what, 23, 24, and he's already got a family. If you're able to lock him into the draft, 
for four years, and I understand Geelong people will say that's what should have happened. No, um, but it's it's a bigger issue to lock those guys in. And I think if the AFL is going to go, we need a tighter control of kids coming into the system. They've got to look at the entire system and free it up, other than those four years of the draft. But don't, if, if, you, if you're but, Kelly, though, don't you put, you put your, your your hat in the ring to get drafted, knowing that you know the chances of you staying in your home state are, are rare. Um, so I think a four-year commitment is is pretty reasonable, knowing that if you go and if you go into state, you know it's four years before I have the option to come home. I think it is a a reasonable balance. I, you know, I think it is a fair solution that you can have that two-year deal with a two-year trigger extension that the clubs can um, can activate. But appreciate your call, Andrew, and the memory's significant. Let's stay in Brisbane where I am right now. Pat is here, and you're going to the game tomorrow night. Pat, you up and about? Hey, Kane, how you doing, man? Good, mate. That's good. Yeah, I'm stoked. I managed to get tickets uh, on Tuesday morning. Um, I'm a Lions supporter, so I was a bit flat, but... Mate, since I've got them, and I got them for a pretty reasonable price as well, behind the goals, um, I'm going to jump on the Geelong bandwagon. I do have a soft spot for Geelong. So, but yeah, Pat, just, just, so hold, just hold for a second for us. I want to want to get your uh, excitement. I want to get you building up. We just got some news headlines we must address with our legend, Meredith Gibbs. We'll get back to you after the latest news update with Gibbsy. Pat's on the line, he's in Brisbane, he's got his tickets, he's sitting behind the goals, and you, you, you're up and about, Pat. Have you have you got a team? Are you in, are you a Richmond or a Geelong or a neutral supporter? Uh, mate, so I'm a Lions, staunch Lions supporter. I went to all mm. their finals, and um, I was I was really hoping that it could be a fairy tale, you know, like game at the Gabba Grand Final. It wasn't to be, but, mate, I'm going to go with Geelong. I've, um, I probably prefer them to win over Richmond, and I reckon they can get the job done. They were pretty, they were pretty clinical against a very good side in the Lions on their home deck. So that's enough for me to, in a close one though. And Gaz for the Norm Smith. Good on you, Pat. Enjoy the game, mate. Enjoy it, and um, hopefully the atmosphere starts to build because it's it's pretty quiet here at the moment. It must be said. Corey's uh, on the Gold Coast. You got a grand final memory for us, Corey? Yeah, mate, on the eve of the Cats and the... Uh, how are you, Kane? On the eve of the Good. Cats and the uh, Tigers, I actually recently watched the link to the 67 Grand Final, and uh, mate, that mark that Fred Swift took somewhere between the goal line and the fence there, where he played on, came back into play, and uh, obviously in a tight Grand Final probably helped to get the Tigers over the line. I think that's probably the most memorable or forgettable moment, depending on whether you're a cat or a Tigers <laughs> fan. And my question to you is, Growing up in Australia, there was always that term that you'd hear at the pubs and you'd hear your dad and your uncle say, someone pulled a Swifty. I'm just wondering, is that term based around Fred Swift's action in that grand final? Because my, I asked my dad that question and he said, it probably is. I don't, I, I don't know the answer, but someone will. And we get so many text messages every morning. 0433981116 is the temper text line. Pulled a Swifty. Is that dating back to the 1967 Grand Final? Can you answer that question for Corey and myself this morning? Um, perhaps it is. I'm not sure. We'll ask the good people out there who are listening to us this morning. Pete's on the road. Uh, Gary Ablett Jr., Pete, is he the best player that's ever played the game? Bomber Thompson thinks he is. Yeah, I think there's a bit of bias in that. But that said, I think he definitely comes in the top three. If you extrapolate, what's interesting, Kane, if you extrapolate that out, let's say uh, top five or top ten, 
50, 60 years, let's say, then, you know, we're probably going to have something that we won't see again, which is a father and son figure in that, you know, mm. greatest five, greatest ten players of all time. That's what's really unique. But he's certainly got to be one of the best. I think it's with what coloured glasses he come with, you know, whether it's a Kerry or a Matthews, what you watch, he had, you know, Bomber had very, uh, uh, you know, the privilege of, of watching him so closely and obviously, you know, an experienced footballer himself. So, um, yeah, that's that one. Uh, on the uh, on the young man who called early out of the youth with a great moment, the four, the four beers watching, the four frothies watching the game last year, the only, the only advantage this year he'll get to have a slab uh, with him uh, as his uh, best friend. So, yeah, a few more frothies... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that he have access to. And I do agree with you on the four years, Kane. I think there's got to be something to protect the club or to give mm. some some advantage to the club who who effectively breaks in a new player, you know, teaches them the system, etc. There's got to be something in it for that club as well. Good on you, Pete. Appreciate your thoughts. Gary Ablett Senior. So Bomber Thompson says, I didn't see everything of Lee Matthews, but I did see him up close. He was a great player, but I reckon Gaz is just cleaner and probably won more of the ball. So he's got 19 seasons to his name, two Brownlows, eight All-Australians, a couple of premierships, six best and fairest, and five AFL PA MVPs. Is Gary Ablett the best player to ever play the game one 736 Mark is in McRae you got a grand final memory for us Mark oh, G'day there Kane thanks for the opportunity mate lifelong Collingwood supporter uh, seen uh, many tragic uh, and bizarre losses for uh, for our club and uh, been to a couple of victories which is awesome but just very very quickly mate a couple of uh, um, stories so I was at the um, 1979 grand final and uh, that was the, the grand final where Wayne Harms managed to uh, punch the ball back in from the members' bar at the MCC and order a beer before the ball got to Sheldon in the golf square. But um, the terrible thing about that story, mate, for me personally, was that, uh, that uh, I was in that pocket when, uh, when that, uh, that incident happened. Uh, oh. And then uh, a couple of years ago, can you believe this, mate? This is uh, you know, another one of these tragic, traumatic uh, personal tales. <coughs> Dom Sheed in the uh, 18. Uh, grand mm. final. Uh, I was in the, uh, the the opposite pocket again. You're can kidding. you believe this? And had uh, an absolute clean line of sight of the ball off his boot. So that was <laughs> that was extremely oh. traumatic and distressing. But having said that, um, I was at the 1990 grand final, uh, and uh, mate, the, uh, the the release of joy and ecstasy around the ground when it finally realised after so many um, tragic losses so close. Collingwood, uh, the release of joy and ecstasy around the ground was just unbelievable and I got swept up in that. So I was at that grand final with my wife. Uh, I'd been married for about six months and uh, in my ecstasy I yelled out, and I was thinking a football context but I got my words wrong, I yelled out at the top of my voice, this is the happiest day of my life. <laughs> and <laughs> How'd that and go down? I my, uh, well, I could see in my peripheral vision, my wife's body just sort of froze. And I thought, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> and a lady behind us leaned in between the two of us. She had an umbrella. She said to my wife, do you want me to hit him with this or would you like to do it? 
Wow, that is outstanding. The heartbreak and the ecstasy of grand finals. Mark was there in 79. He was there in 2018 on the wrong side, but on the right side in 1990. We're taking your grand final memories this morning. Uh, your favourite moment? Have you been there? Uh, and also, I mean, the heartbreaking stories as well, uh, just as important, I think, and what makes our game so great. And grand finals and grand final eve so great. Macaries in Tullamarine. Uh, you watched last year's grand final in Thailand, Macca. How was that? Yeah, first, oh, it was sensational. First of all, can I give you the best player, in my opinion, I've ever seen as a Richmond supporter? Yep. Gary Ablett Senior. He, week in, week out, I think he kicked well over 100 goals against our club. I was lucky enough to be at the G one day before they'd remodeled it, and he was playing. And not only the Geelong supporters, but the Richmond supporters were going from end to end to watch him. So the crowd, mm. you have 15,000, 20,000 people going from one end of the ground to the other. So I know he didn't win Brownlow's. I know he hasn't got premiership medals. But Gary Ablett Senior, just for the, spirit, the spectacle of the man watching the game. So he was he's the best I've ever seen. By far. Well, yeah, I don't think there'll be too many arguments with that. What about last year's grand final? Well, lucky enough, we're on a scuba diving uh, tour in Thailand. and We found a little bar owned by an Aussie that had it on. <laughs> The night before, we organised a pig on the spit. Um, the time difference, so we had a few frothies early in the morning. As everyone said, the game was uh, locked up by half-time. We were ringing the bell in the bar. I think I had to go back twice to pay my bar bill the next day. And uh, even bought the lady boy a beer, Kano. It was a magnificent day. Good on you, Macca. Appreciate your thoughts and your memories with that. Gary Ablett Senior, the best player that you've ever seen. Pat's in Armadale. Um, Pat, the expression pulled a swifty. Do we know the origins of that? Welcome to the captain's run. Uh, I, I don't know the origin, but I know when I was a child, I used the expression, and I'm 72. So okay. it's got nothing to do with uh, Fred Swift. Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up with us, Pat. See, I knew it. Our audience is smart. Our audience is experienced like Pat. And Pat used the, the expression, pull to Swifty, way before the 1967 grand final. So it had nothing to do with Freddie Swift. Uh, Pat, thank you for clearing that up. A lot of text coming through as well on the temper text on a similar vein. James is in Thomastown. Have you got a memorable grand final moment for us, mate? Got you there, Jimmy. No, James has just dropped out. Luckily, we've got Phil in Hopper's Crossing who wants to chat about the 84 grand final. Phil, your memories of that? Oh, mate. I watched that game every night for four months. And uh, we'd been thrashed by Hawthorne the year before, and my brother and I, I'm, I'm just, he's a pessimist. And uh, in that game, he said, oh, well, the same old story, we're getting done again. I think we're about 28 points behind at uh, three-quarter time. And then Daisy Williams got about seven clearances in a row, and we won the game. But the thing, every time I watch it, it brings tears to my eyes when I see Leon Baker blind turn and kick the goal that put us in front. Yeah, well, great victory to the Bombers getting it done over Hawthorne in front of 92,685 at the MCG. So that was Phil's favourite grand final moment. We'll get to Andy and Bo in Adelaide with some grand final memories. And I'm asking you this morning, who's the greatest player in the game? Bomber Thompson says Gary Ablett Jr. He was just spectacular on and off the field. He's the best player I've ever seen. He never, ever played a droppable game. One of those games where you thought, he's had an awful game. Like if he wasn't Gaza and he played another one of them, he might be dropped. These are quotes from the Herald Sun. So he's the best player Bombers uh, ever seen. And if he wins a third 
and goes out like this puts him into legend status, even though he's going to be a legend in the game already. one 736 736 Massive show coming up. Sammy Edmund, Gary Ayres, if you don't mind. Sean Wren is going to join us to relive his grand final moments. Anthony Hudson, the Brownlow medalist, Lockie Neal, Beck Madden, ahead of uh, Channel 9's My Room Telethon slash Sunday footy show, grand final eve show tonight. It's all coming up as well as your calls throughout the morning. Yes, 13 minutes to 10 o'clock. If you're listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide, I actually have to check my clock because I'm in Brisbane coming to you live from the grand final destination. It's grand final eve. And what I have loved is you sharing with us your favourite grand final moments, which we can do through until 12 o'clock. There's a lot of other stuff I want to get through this morning as well, including North Melbourne and... The really sad situation with them mutually parting ways with their coach, Reshaw, yesterday. And as they wake up this morning, the Kangaroos looking for a new coach. Who is the right coach to coach North Melbourne? We'll give you our thoughts on that and take your calls, North fans, on one 736 736 The greatest player ever, Bomber Thompson, says it is Gary Ablett and also Gary Ablett Jr., that is, and also an email that has been leaked to the media has made it clear that clubs should not expect entirely equivalent returns for any player which goes in free agency. So the compensation model there continues to be a hot topic of conjecture. But right now, Andy has been waiting for us. You want to share your favourite grand final moment with us, mate? What is it? Okay, I reckon you might like mine. So my punishment for selling my grand final ticket, but I'll preface that by saying that I had been to the three before, was to watch you and your teammates actually on the ground celebrating as you took away the 2004 Premiership Cup. I was working for the MCC at the time. Yeah. And they said, 10 minutes into the last quarter, do you mind just going on to the boundary? I said, not a problem. Then they said, do you mind going on to the actual the ground, but you have to look at the crowd? I said, not a problem. But then when you guys won, it was one of the coolest things that I've seen. Um, it was Byron Pickett coming over to his family and celebrating. So I heard, well, you know, you guys were all strewn all over the ground, you know, in packs of six or eight, but there was eight of you. Yeah. I think one of the Wakelands and Byron Pickett in that uh, in that pocket where all the families were. So that, um, I wouldn't say it's my favourite, but it's probably one of the coolest things I've experienced as a, uh, as a football person. Yeah, that's awesome. So Daryl Wakeland, um, I just remember seeing the image of you know going to hug his twin brother Shane, who had come so close to playing in a grand final for Collingwood, but missed out. He was in tears. Daryl was in tears, and you know that as I said before, that hour after the final siren, when you get to do that and go and see your family and your friends in the crowd, is is unbelievable. And unfortunately for the players playing tomorrow. I guess most of their families won't be in attendance and their friends, um, which is, yeah, which is takes away a little bit from the moment. But anyway, appreciate that, Andy. Let's go to Alex in Newport. Your best grand final memory. Uh, by far, good morning, uh, Kane. How are you? Good morning. By, by far, uh, the best grand final ever was the 1970 uh, grand final. The big, biggest crowd ever seen, 121,000. Uh, not a bad competitor and the greatest comeback of all time. Uh, and the best moments were Jezza's moments, Jezza's mark and a goal he kicked over his uh, left shoulder. Were you there? About, I certainly was. And you could, have oh, cut wow. the, you could have cut the atmosphere with a knife. I've never been in a 
confined area with 121,000 people where I would hate to think what the decibel level was, but I'd never experienced anything like it after being to sporting events anywhere, uh, in various places uh, all over the world. Never experienced anything remotely like it. Yeah, so <laughs> Collingwood leading by 17 at three-quarter time. We've got the scores up here. They only managed to kick one goal one in the last quarter. Carlton kicked 5-4 to storm home in front of your right. 121,696,000 fans at the MCG. That is... That is unbelievable. Hard to top that, Alex, and thank you for your your memories of actually being in the ground as part of the 121,000. Uh, what a memory that is. Tom's in Williamstown. The best play you've ever seen, Tom. Yeah, Kano, just give us a sec, mate. I just want to get these Carlton fools started. Um, <laughs> my, the best player ever is uh, James Hurd by Miles. Um, my favourite grand finals, 2000. My biggest disappointment is 2001, but also... I reckon we should null it down a bit, Kane. We've got to get from the 2000s the greatest grand mm. finals. You wouldn't get a peep out of Carlton because they've never made one. <laughs> there you go. That'll get them going. Nice, nice little bit of bait out on the line. Um, and we'll quickly sneak in. Ben, you got a quick grand final memory for us, Benny? Hello, Ben. Oh, Ben. Hello, Ben. Have I got you there, Ben? How old are you? You're three, and you don't have a grand I'm, final. I'm five. G'day, Kane. Oh, you're five. Hello, mate. Is this is Dad? Is Dad Ben, or is the is your son Ben? No, Dad. Dad is Ben. There. Sorry about that. The, the, the kids in the back in the back seat. How are you, Kane? I'm good. What's your favourite grand final memory? Um, 1987, when um, I was all of eight. I it was um. Yeah, got into the ground as a as a five year old for free. I was I was a small kid, but um, don't remember much of the game. But afterwards, my folks went to a, an after party, and um, funnily enough, Russell Green from Hawthorne was there, and um, Mum was I think Mum was chatting to him and and said, "Oh, it's my young son's Ben Ben's birthday," and he said, "Oh, that's great, just you know, wait here." Uh, went <clears throat> went to his car and, and got a uh, a jumper that he wore that Michael Kennedy wore, and he swapped. Uh, number 43, Carlton Guernsey, yeah. and um, g- gave it to me, and I had it for a long time. I, I, I used to wear it at footy training and all that, and um, try to give it back to the club uh, without any, any luck. But funny enough, Michael Kennedy got fined by the club um, for giving away their, the, 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 the jumper. Is that uh, right? Great. Great memories, Benny. Sorry, we're hard up against the news that we've got to get to. But uh, kids in the back screaming and you've got a memory of a player giving you a Guernsey as a youngster. Get involved in the show. We'll take your calls right through until 12 o'clock. one 736 736 if you want to join in. Download the Worth app or visit worth.com.au. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, loved your memories. Thanks for getting involved in the first hour of the show. Big couple of hours coming up shortly. Trade theme with Sammy Edmund next. Gary, Gary Ayres, I should say. Sean Wren, Anthony Hudson, the Brownlow medalist, Lockie Neal, and Rebecca Madden ahead of the Sunday footy show spectacular tonight in prime time, trying to raise a million bucks for kids with cancer as well for my room. Uh, Rocky, can you share your grand final memory with us in 30 seconds? What is it? 
Uh, yeah, mate. No, uh, just by love your work, Kane. I thought you were pretty boring as a player, but I love your work on radio and TV, mate. But um, <laughs> take that as a compliment. Yeah, do, no, please do. Um, I, I, I saw 89 loss, 92, 94, 95, but, mate, sorry, 207. When Ablett broke through and ran into an open goal, mm. I thought, yeah, we can party now, mate. 2007, and um, God, Dad, and Jesus Ablett, junior son, best players ever. <laughs> Oh, it was a tough one. It was a tough day uh, from quarter time onwards uh, for any Port Adelaide fan. But I understand the breaking premiership for the Cats fans. Can they do it again? Well, we'll take your calls on that. Paul, stick around. We'll get to Sam Edmund as well next. You are listening to the Captain's Run on your home of sport. That is 1116 SEM. Hour two coming up on the captain's run. First hour has been big. We are live from Brisbane as we're counting down to the big one tomorrow night at the Gabba. Got to say, the atmosphere is clearly a little bit different to what it would be if normal proceedings were in front of us and the game was at the MCG tomorrow. But we'll take it because footy is on. We're here thanks to Apollo League, apolloleague.com, elevate your career. And as always, there are lines available if you want to join in the program. one 736 736 Gary Ayer, Sean Wren, Anthony Hudson, the Brownlow medalist, Beck Madden, and the grand final theme quiz to coming up before 12 o'clock. But right now, let's talk some trades because... I can't remember a busier lead-up to the trade period. Hasn't even started yet. And a man who has been all over it this week is SEN's chief sports reporter, Sammy Edmonds. Sammy, thanks for joining me. G'day, Kane. Thanks for having me. What do you mean, lack of buzz up there? I saw your foyer of your hotel <sighs> there. Happening. Some balloons inflated. Nothing wrong with that. It's all happening, Sammy. The lady at reception didn't even know where the Gabba was. That's, well, that's, how, that's how we're going. It's a kilometre away, for those wondering. She might not know where the Gabba is, but does she know what the weather's doing, Kane? I'm particularly worried about the forecast for tomorrow. Can you put us at ease here? No, I can't put you at ease because everything I'm seeing on the local news is that it's going to be stormy and slippery. So I I think that will please Richmond fans. But, um, yeah, let's talk about the big news. Um, You've been all over it. I I want to start at the Giants, if that's okay, because, what is it, five players out with perhaps Langdon still to come. That makes it six. Place is in a mess. Well, Langdon will go. He'll go to West Coast. That's where he wants to go. And Xavier O'Halloran is the other one. So it could yet get worse. He is the third and final um, kid, if you like, from the 2018 draft that the Giants took first. We know that uh, Caldwell's now gone and Jackson Haightley is now gone to uh, Essendon and Adelaide, respectively. O'Halloran now weighing it up. He's out of contract. Starts at the top with Jeremy Cameron, Zach Williams, and to a lesser extent, Aiden Kaur. So there's three restricted free agents gone in one fell swoop. And then, as you say, they're copying it at the other end too with the kids. Mm, Yeah. Uh, So what have they got planned, Sam? I I know it's a question without notice and who knows, but do you think they are, is it a a mini rebuild on the run through the circumstances that they find themselves in? Or do they have to get something big in? They're going to have money. They're probably going to have picks. What do you think they're plotting? That's the question, isn't it? How do they go about it from here, given they've got their senior core, the talented core that they've got, you know, the Greens, the Whitfields, the Canelios and the like. How do they go about doing it from here? Mm. It's going to be fascinating. Jeremy Cameron, they want more than picks, clearly. I mean, you can't keep having picks coming in and then having them go back out. I mean, um, someone like Joe Coldwell, he was the pick in relation to the to the Dylan, Dylan Shield. Shield deal. 
So you can't just have them coming in and out all the time. I mean, with Jeremy Cameron, they're almost certainly going to match that. And we heard the CEO, Dave Matthews. I mean, it is, if it is going to be pick 10 as widely as soon as compensation, that cannot be enough for Jeremy Cameron. They have to force a trade there. They want more than that. But at the same time, the Cats want to keep their first uh, th- their three first-round picks. And they've also taken Parfit and Radigalia off the trade table as well. So there's plenty to play out there. They've got an interest somewhat. They've discussed the prospect of trading for Tom McDonald at Melbourne, who's got two years to run on his contract there. Now that it looks highly likely that Ben Brown ends up at Melbourne, given he's had talks with Simon Goodwin and also completed a medical at the D's. Mm, Tom McDonald's no Jeremy Cameron, I can tell you that much. Mate, you, you broke the story about Brad Crouch. He's joining St Kilda, five-year deal. What are they going to pay him? Look, there's some conflicting reports out here. I think it's fair to say, Kane, over what the contract offer for Brad Crouch looks like. Now, I'm standing by what I said yesterday. I've gone back to the well. I've double and triple checked this with absolutely someone who would know. And I can tell you, it sits between three and a half and $4 million over the life of this contract. So it's somewhere around or north of $700,000 a season. Now, I know there's some reports out there saying it's less than mm. that, but this is a sensitive topic at the moment, compensation, Kane particularly for Adelaide and St Kilda, given uh, how much they might be willing to fork out for Brad Crouch. But Adelaide especially, they've got the number one pick. So the difference between number uh, a two pick compensation-wise and an end of first round pick when it comes to the, the top two compensation bands is significant. And there's also a lot of speculation out there that a St Kilda player could end up going the other way as a way of massaging this deal, if you like. Now, Luke Dunstan, I think, would like to get home to South Australia, but at this stage, nothing is forthcoming there. No trade in the works with Luke Dunstan. Jimmy Webster's been mentioned as a possible trade target too. I'm not sure if there's any substance there, but he has two years to run on a contract. So that would help ease any cap pressure St Kilda would have. Mm, yeah, I can't see there's any way the AFL hand Adelaide pick two when you've got the situation North Melbourne are in. I know it doesn't work that way, but North Melbourne are in a bigger mess than Adelaide are in. So to take pick two off them, yeah. I'm not sure how that would sit well with the AFL. Well, well, it does work that way, to be honest. Even though there's those defined um, compensation bans being first mm. round, end of first round, second round, end of second round, and so on. I mean, there is an expert committee that reviews the formula, and that committee has the power to recommend alternative outcomes to the, the general manager of footy ops in Steve Hocking, where the formula produces a quote-unquote materially anomalous result. So don't worry, they can still get around the mahogany table there at the AFL and just massage the herbs and spices to make it fit. Mm. Uh, can you see Adelaide matching it? I, I personally can't. I don't think they want Brad Crouch, and they certainly don't want him for five years. So I, I can't think that they would take that risk and gamble with the prospect of Brad saying, oh, it's okay. I, I don't mind it here in Adelaide. I'll stay for five years. Yeah, which, I mean, if you take his party at face value, he's always been open to staying in the city of Adelaide there, and he's got other reasons for that as well. I don't think so, Kane. I don't think Mm. it will happen. A, because it's incredibly rare. If it's happened before, it's happened with Paddy Dangerfield. And I know this year we might very well get a couple in the one period when it comes to Joe Danaher. Essendon talking a big game there about what they will do. And then when it comes to Jeremy Cameron, where GWS are almost uh, duty-bound to match that. Let's move on. What can you tell us about Sean McKernan? 
Bit of a left field one, this one, uh, Kane. St Kilda are weighing up whether they're going to throw him an AFL lifeline. Of course, Sean, Mc Sean McKernan delisted by the Bombers last month. He's 30 years of age. He's played the 87 games somewhat scattered across 11 seasons with Adelaide and Essendon as well. He could find himself at Moorabbin, though, and at a third AFL club. So St Kilda has two quality ruckmen. We know that, Paddy Ryder and Rowan Marshall. But since the season finished for them, Kane, they've cleaned out a lot of the tall talent in the wake of that semi-final loss to the Tigers. So their fringe rucks or uh, depth ruckman in Ryan Abbott and Jack Bell, they've been delisted. Their key position players, Logan Austin and Jack Mayer, were also cut. And then there's another key toilet, Nathan Brown, who announced his retirement. So it leaves only the raw prospect, the former U.S. basketballer Sam Alabakis, as their ruck insurance. So McKernan would add some valuable depth and ruck cover there, while we know he can also play forward as well. But... I mean, he's retired. He's got a minor standings. He's got a stack of attractive offers from local clubs out there, Kane, as well, for 2021. Don't mind it for the Saints. Cost you nothing and get a, yep. a proven player, an experienced player in there to support uh, Max King as well in the forward line if you need to. Um, North Melbourne, as they wake up this morning, are looking for a new coach, Sam. And look, there's a lot of names being thrown around. Do you think they will hold a significant process to find a coach or do you think they will identify a coach that they want and approach them and basically guarantee them the job without applying and going through an uh, extensive process. Well, we know how much heat they cop for supposedly not undergoing an extensive process to appoint Reshore, and they have denied that until the cows have come home. I think while everyone wants this to be a rush and there's uh, some significant dates ahead of the club in terms of uh, draft and trade and then getting ready for pre-season, I don't think they're going to rush this at all, Kane. In fact, the panel that they will form... They want Paul Ruse on that. Paul Ruse hasn't even accepted the offer to come across yet. So once he does that, they put their panel in place to select the new coach, then they'll get into it. I don't think this is going to happen in a hurry, and probably nor should it. I don't know what you think. I don't think there's a raging hurry. I mean, we know the state of play at North Melbourne. As unfortunate it is for them, they're coming from as far back as any club has come before. They've cleaned out the house. They've got to get the assistant coaching panel sorted out as well. I know they've got John Blakey in mm. there. There is just so many things they've got to do in this period. The unfortunate thing for them is that it has hurt them somewhat in the recruitment of players. We know how busy clubs are in the, the trade and free agency market at the moment. Not having a coach effectively at work has hurt them somewhat in that regard. But look, that ship has sailed now. They can't do anything about that. What they can do is just knuckle down, take their time, put a proper process in place that we heard Ben Buckley uh, talk about yesterday on SEN and just find the right person. Yeah, equally though, if I'm someone like a Michael Voss who's been through the process before and just missed out at Carlton, are you going to put yourself at risk of missing again and being that coach that always misses out? So, I mean, there's pros and cons of doing it, doing it well, both ways. Yeah. You'd want security. If you're Michael Voss, I mean, you would want uh, you'd want a long contract. You'd want good people around you, possibly your own people as well. Because, I don't know, Kane, if Brett Ratton is the poster boy for second-chance coaches, there's not going to be many third-chance coaches going around. Mm. Michael Voss would want to get the next one right, give himself the best possible chance. I'm not saying that's not at North Melbourne, but, geez, you'd want some parameters put in place, wouldn't you? I agree with that. Hey, before I let you go, and I've been listening to you and Jared discussing what seems like a, a while ago, but the interview with Stephen Silvani was as captivating a 35 minutes of, of radio as I've heard in football. The fallout from it, Carlton very quiet. They haven't responded publicly. Have you touched base with anyone at the Blues about how they're feeling since that interview? 
No, there's very much two sides to this story, Kane, and um, uh, both sides have got telling points. And you're right, Steve Silvani was, he'd held out onto that for a long time, and it was passionate and emotional at times too for Sauce. Um, they're not going to respond, Carlton. They certainly won't do that. They're not going to get into a slanging match, a tit-for-tat, if you like, even though Kane Little would seem to have some questions to answer. I think the general feel from Carlton people is that Kane Little is highly capable, Kane, very good at his job, and he wouldn't be on his own when it comes, and you would know this, at, at that level of position at a footy club that just occasionally swims or mm. seem to swim outside of his lane a little bit. Now, these people have the best interests of the club at heart, but what does Ross Lyon say? Let the cobblers cobble? Maybe he just occasionally swims outside of his lane, but no one's saying he's not highly capable of his job. But I don't think we're going to get a public slanging match here with uh, Kane Little, Steve Silvani. Good on you, Sammy. Thanks for the update as always. Thanks, Kane. SEN Chief Sports Reporter Sam Edmund. You also hear him and Jared and Gary and myself on crunch time as we count down to the big one from 10 o'clock tomorrow. I think I'm right in saying that, although my timing is all at sea at the moment. And don't forget, this is your sporting life on Sunday from 10. Sam Edmund is going to speak to former Magpie and Giant. He's sure what a character he is. That's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, who are celebrating lives. Um, 1-300-736-736. You can respond to any of that. From Sam Edmund, Saints fans, Sean McKern, the Brad Crouch situation, free agency compensation, and how did Geelong get Jeremy Cameron if the Giants choose to match it? Get involved in the show. It's the captain's run with myself, Kane Corns. It's a grand final eve, and it is a grand final eve edition of the captain's run this morning. A lot of talk about Dustin Martin this week. Yeah, I've been guilty. Is he the greatest finals performer of all time? Well, our next guest has as good a stake in that conversation as anyone. He's a five-time AFL Premiership player. He's a dual North Smith medalist, and they named the finals award after him. Gary Ayres. Ayres, thanks for your time again. No worries, Kane. How are you today, mate? I'm good. Take me back to grand final eve. You've been there five times as a player. Your emotions sort of, you know, 24 hours out from the big game. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty good generally. It's always about the preparation and the way you lead into that particular week, I guess. It starts on the Monday and training was certainly just about getting it done. Obviously, there was always the plenty of phone calls about getting finals tickets of course so you had to satisfy all your friends and family and I tried to make sure that was all put away by probably mid to Thursday of that particular grand final week and we always used to train on the Thursday so that was always a big time because you had your maybe 10 or 12,000 wonderful Hawthorne supporters that were there and it was always nice to walk off knowing that You'd done all the physical preparation for the week and then Friday was the parade. So that was always a nice thing to be able to once again get in front of all the different supporters who were going to be there supporting their two teams on the Saturday. And then it was a a lunch that we always had at Hawthorne. And then it was the, I guess, main team meeting where you found out whether you're in the team or not. And then once you then sort of took off from that, then it was about relaxing and yeah, you couldn't wait for the game to come around, mate. So, as you've already experienced yourself. Yeah, not not five times. If, is there any memory? <laughs> like, we're not going to get any, you know, thankfully, any heartbreaking stories of injury or probably selection. Usually the team would have been announced last night. It's, you know, different this year, of course. But was there any, you know, heartbreaking stories or memories that stick out, not, not from yourself, but from teammates, ones that are really unlucky to miss out or an injury that stick in your mind? 
Yeah, there, there is, mate. And obviously, if I go back to probably the 83, there was an absolute champion of our club at the time in Calvin Moore. Unfortunately, Cal missed out. He would end up playing over 300 games for Hawthorne, but he missed out in 1983. And mm. another guy by the name of Russell Shields, who had had a pretty reasonable year that year. Obviously, from an injury point of view, it would have been someone who you'd know, Tony Hall. He got mm. uh, unfortunately injured in that state game by his Hawthorne teammate and Andy Collins in 1989. Greg Deere was another one who who did an ACL. And probably the other one, I guess, that comes to mind was Paul Abbott, who broke his ankle. And, of course, all those boys missed out on yeah, becoming even more in relation to the premierships that they played in. Yeah, I watch. Um, I watch the final siren between yeah, Geelong and the Richmond players that weren't playing. You know, Friday and Saturday night, the camera pans to those in the stands not playing, and their reaction was they were as happy as the players that were playing. It speaks to great clubs, Ezzy. Is that what you found? That it was the club winning the premiership, not just the the twenty two or twenty one that played on the day. Oh, most definitely, and that's a great summary, mate. In that. The players who are there for the training purposes, who probably feel in their own minds that they're a fair way away, and but they're, they're great people to have amongst the club. And as you said, and I found that out probably later on when I was actually coaching, that squads win premierships. And of course, unfortunately, there's always then the final 22 that's going to run, on, run out on grand final day. But unfortunately, the players that have helped you get there throughout that journey of that year some of them just won't be part of it. And I remember in 1991, in that grand final out there at Waverley, where three of the legends of Hawthorne in Robert DiPietro Domenico, John Kennedy Jr. and Peter Swab, they all missed out on that particular game slash grand final premiership. And uh, mm-hmm. Dipper actually put a nice little uh, letter in the locker. And when I rocked up on that particular day, opened the locker door and there was a nice little good wishes little letter from Dipper and uh, or well wish letter and of course mm. it was really really touching I thought so that's what it means to some guys and yet they don't hide the disappointment that no doubt they're feeling they still want to see the team win Five-time Premiership player Gary Ayres joining us. He played in 83, 86, 88, 89 and 91. It just, just popped up on the AFL site that they're streaming the 1989 Grand Final Ayresy, which is which is so famous. And, and last week on the, the Sunday Footy Show, we spoke about Dipper and it just got me thinking about him and, and the courage, not just of him, but a, a number of other players in that game. Can you remember Dipper you know, being rushed off the hospital as the celebrations were happening, like in that moment? I can't remember seeing him go off to hospital, obviously. Yeah. You're sort of all caught up in the euphoria and all that sort of stuff. But I do remember him being escorted off the ground and we thought, yeah, there was certainly something pretty wrong. And we knew that anyway because of how he was at half-time. And, of course, Dermot was the other one as well with uh, mm. his busted ribs at the very first centre bounce, as we know. So it just goes to show how guys can pay the price for something that means so much to us. And I guess in that golden run of grand finals in the 80s, we missed out on going back-to-back in 83, 84, missed out on back-to-back in 86, 87. So, of course, this was a a real genuine opportunity through, albeit somewhat very unusual circumstances because Alan Jeans had the brain aneurysm at the end of 1987 and Joycey stepped in one year, one grand final, one premiership. And, of course, then Alan Jeans just drove that message 
even at mm. the start of pre-season at the end of 88, going into 89, that this was a great chance for us to go back-to-back flags. And as it turned out, in such a brutal game, we are able to be the first team in Hawthorne's history that achieved back-to-back flags. Yeah, unbelievable stories. Love hearing about them, Ezzy. We are, we are doing that today, reliving the great grand final memories. I, I look at some of the storylines out of this game tomorrow night, and I, I can't personally go past Joel Seward in terms of what he could accomplish to be a premiership skipper after playing three times and the sacrifices that he's put his body through. Uh, wh- where does this put Selwood? Like, what sort of company does he join? And we, t- we speak about Hodge and the great final skippers of all time. How have you seen his season and his career to date? Yeah, he's no doubt a warrior, mate. There's certainly everyone watches him go about his business and how he plays and the courage that he displays virtually every game that we see him play in and obviously to be an inspirational skipper as he is and certainly I'm sure the Geelong players would feel very very comfortable and confident whenever Joel Selwood is in the team and for him to get his body right no doubt he's had those issues as we know throughout the course of the season but Geelong probably held him back and said that they wouldn't play him until he's genuinely right and obviously he's carried that finger injury as well in the last couple of weeks. So he's right up there, Kane, as far as one of the greatest leaders the game's ever seen. Durability. He's obviously had his last premiership win way back in 2011. So that says a fair bit about his ability to play at such a high standard. And I think that's what separates the great players from, I guess, just your average players is that they consistently play at such a high level and they do it week after week month after month, year after year. And Joel Selwood is certainly one of those. And from a captaincy point of view, he's probably got that extra bit of pressure as well. But he just doesn't let it bother him. He just loves playing footy. And you can see he loves playing for the Geelong Football Club. What about the coaches, Ezzy? You've been there, premierships uh, in the VFL, of course, and your record there is extraordinary. How are Chris Scott and, and Damien Harwick feeling right now? And, and what sort of what-ifs are they going through? You know, if this happens, what do we do here? And what happens if things are going well? What happens if things are going poorly? How would they be feeling right now, do you think? Yeah, I think they'd be feeling pretty good. Both of them have obviously been there before. They're both premiership coaches, as we know they would be very, very confident in their preparation, which I think is really, really important. They'd be very, very confident that they would have covered off on all the things that need to be covered off. I think they would know each other's game style and players pretty well. There's Mm. a lot of intel out there, and I'm sure they'd have so much belief and positivity in their boys because their game plans stack up, obviously, they're they're all waiting for the moment to arrive. That's what I found as a coach. You're just wanting to get to the ground. And then once you get there, you're backing in your preparation. There's really not a lot that you're going to do on grand final day anyway, because all through the week, you've probably prepared 95% of what you can do. And a lot of that's been about yourself, I would have imagined, because you're going to be, as I said, showing so much faith and confidence in your playing group. It's what's got you there on that big day. And but there'd always be a little bit of a thought too about being a winner, and that's what we always want to be on grand final day. It doesn't work out that way because it's a two horse race, as we know. But I think they would be both feeling very, very confident about their opportunities tomorrow. 
Ezzy, are you concerned about the pressures on the modern coach? Uh, we've seen issues that have been well documented, North Melbourne and, and Reshaw parting ways, of course, which has been in the news. But Alistair Clarkson has spoken about his concerns for his coaching colleagues at the moment. Uh, you've sat back and you've watched it and you've been there yourself. Is the pressure becoming too great? And do we need to support our coaches better? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure going out there. There's no doubt about that. And certainly we do need to support our coaches a lot more. I know it's getting better. You're only one of 18, so you're in a pretty privileged position throughout Australia. And with that does come all the responsibilities. You know to a degree what it's like, but it's a roller coaster. There doesn't seem to be as much pressure externally, I guess, when you're winning, but also, too, when you're losing, it really does ramp up. And if you are consistently losing, and let's be honest, the buck does stop with the head coach. He's the one that's obviously always out the front. He's trying to lead as best he possibly can. I think the mistakes that young coach makes, though, is that he doesn't tend to delegate to the people that are around him. And if he has confidence in his support staff, then that does alleviate, I believe, some of the pressures that go with the day-to-day job of being an AFL coach. But it's great to see Alistair Clarkson come out. He's obviously the doyen of coaches, four-time premiership player. He's seen the opportunity of being a coach to start to build a club and obviously took over Hawthorne back in 04, perhaps, if I remember mm-hmm. rightly. And, yep. of course, then he's won four premierships along the way. So... He's very much aware of all the highs and lows and the pitfalls and the mistakes. And I think if you're a young coach having the confidence to delegate, you've got to have some me time for yourself too because we know how consuming it is. It's a 24-7 industry. And when you're losing, you think that you should be working harder, but it's not necessarily that at all, i found. And if you can sort of find that balance, then I think you can end up handling the pressures just that little bit better. But the opportunity to get away with your family, spend some me time, as I call it, I think is really, really important. So, But it's great to see that the organisation, the Coach Association, is aware of it, and I'm sure we'll certainly see that we can give these individuals a lot more assistance because no-one wants to see them go out of the game in a manner that's uh, detrimental to their health. Ezzy, North are looking for a coach. I've asked you this before. Uh, would you <laughs> consider it if they asked you? Oh, of course you would, Kane. You'd consider it. You'd certainly like to think after 25 years that I've been coaching better than I was when I first started. And no doubt there's things that you've done which are about learning what you do within yourself as a coach. And certainly we make mistakes. But of course, if you can keep hanging in there and doing something that you love, I've got a lot of passion for coaching and I just love seeing the Port Melbourne boys go around doing what I was lucky enough to achieve and that's get some sort of success at BFL level. It's not the highest level as we know, but then it could be the highest level that some of these boys are ever going to play at anyway. So, yeah, you'd never say never, mate. If an opportunity was there to have a chat, you'd certainly go down that path. But I think the old uh, flickering flame has got less and less over the years, I would have thought, from any interest along the way. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, they would do a, a very good service to themselves if they gave you a call. Ezzy, before we let you go, it's been great. Just a, a winner and a Norm Smith medalist for tomorrow. Yes, Kane, I'd tick the tigers. And wouldn't it be great to see Dusty Martin win the medal and go into rarefied air as a three-time Norm Smith medal winner? 
but don't be surprised if someone like Mitch Duncan actually has a fair say in the grand final tomorrow, yeah. mate. So they're the picks for me. Ezzy, thank you so much for reliving your memories with us here today. Thanks a lot, Kane. Stay well, mate. How good. Gary is uh, an absolute legend of the... Well, he's a legend of the game, clearly, but one of the greatest finals performer we've ever seen and a man who knows more than most about grand final day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Time now for the latest news with Meredith Gibbs. Yeah, love to you, love for you to get involved, I should say, with you through until 12 o'clock on this grand final eve edition of the captain's run. And we're going to be joined by another dual premiership star coming up shortly, as well as Anthony Hudson, the Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal and Beck Madden, my room telethon from 7.30 on Channel 9 tonight, combining that with the Sunday footy show crew in prime time where the boys should be. And the ladies, of course. Albert is in far north Queensland, been patient. You want to speak about uh, Queensland recruiting, Albert? What's caught your attention? No, no, not Queensland recruiting. St Kilda recruiting, Kane. We have recruited badly. And I don't care what anyone else says. Look, what's his name was my favourite player for five years. Almost the bravest player I've ever seen. Comes from the Swans. Can hardly get on the park at 850 a year Mm. for five years. Then we get Hill, who was an embarrassment in the final against Richmond and has had a very ordinary year at $850,000 a year. He cannot win his own football. Then we go out and get Crouch, who's just been caught with cocaine in a taxi, and we're paying him seven hundred and fifty grand a year. And as you pointed out, he has averaged 11 games, did you say, over the last five years. Yeah, it's even longer than that. Over the last eight years, I'm surprised by it. I guess you give them some points for ones they have got right. And, you know, I think Jones and Butler and Howard have been really good players for them. But I'm equally with you and I'm equally surprised five years for Brad. I just don't think they needed to. I reckon they could have got him for three years. You know, there wasn't a lot of people bashing down the door to sign Brad Crouch. So understand your passion and always give you the platform to have your say and you, you did it pretty well. Albert's fired up. Saints fans, what do you reckon? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Dean's in Elwood. G'day, Dino. G'day, Kane. Kane, I just want to ask you about free agency. You may have done it this week, but, um, mate, you live in a... You've got 18 teams in a comp. Um, you wait 14 or 15 years. You've got a draft that, that ranks you from 1 to 18. And then I'm sitting there and I watch Richmond get Tom Lynch exactly what they needed. I'm watching Geelong that's been up there for a generation get Jeremy Cameron. I'm mystified, Kane, like how you can have equalisation measures and then all of a sudden you go, yeah, look, we'll throw this player in, you get him. We'll take him from a team that hasn't had success and, and go from there. I'm, I'm just baffled. I'm a Carlton spot. I'd love to see us contend. Mm. But mm. at some stage, you've got to get the generational teams down, Kane. I, I don't get it. Yeah, and I, un- I understand that viewpoint um dean and you know you make a when you have players like lynch joining a powerhouse in richmond i get it but we are working under the same rules like the the same rules are available to everyone so i just think if you get the culture of your footy club right we've all got the same salary cap it's not as if they're giving them extra cash to spend you've all got to fit in this and i look at brisbane in 2013 14 they couldn't keep anyone and, and now players like Lockie Neal, I know he's on a free agent, but Joe Danaher is wanting to go there. So get your footy club right, become an attractive place to go, and then go about it. So I'm, I'm not as critical over free agency as I am 
um, clubs getting their own house in order and becoming that attractive place that players want to go. But I can understand your point. It's not perfect, um, but I think for a player like Jeremy Cameron, who's been at the Giants since he's 17 years of age, has given them great service for him to be able to choose where he wants to finish his career. When you don't get a choice to where you're drafted, I think there is something in that for the players. Rowan's got a grand final memory for us. Rowan, what is it? Welcome. G'day, Kane. <clears throat> An apologies. It is 2007, and um, I was a long-suffering Geelong supporter coming off the disappointment of 2006. Mm. And also, I remember the week before, I was at that preliminary final when we fell over the line against Collingwood by five points. So I wasn't uh, overly confident going into the game. And uh, unlike plenty of the supporters, well, I reckon it wasn't until late in time on the third quarter and I was doing the calculations, and I think there was about 15 goals of difference, and I'm thinking, so those guys have to kick 15 to win and keep us scoreless. Um, and that was probably when I started to relax. But the other thing I must, and I, and I always remember this, is um, the Port Adelaide supporters staying to the end. Would have, there's plenty of uh, AFL clubs in Melbourne where the supporters would have been heading home at, the, uh, at three-quarter time. But a lot of admiration for the Port supporters who stuck it out and even cheered you guys off. They were clapping you off the ground, which I thought mm. um, was a sign of a club, not a manufactured club, like, say, the, the Crows or the Giants or the Gold Coast. But, uh, yeah, I remember um, it, was a, it was an awesome day for a Geelong supporter. Good on you, Rowan. Appreciate that memory, even though it is a really tough one for me. But for Cats fans, understand your, your raw joy and emotion on that day. We'll keep taking your calls right through until 12 o'clock. But on the other side of this, another grand final hero is going to have a chat to us. Looking forward to that. Yeah, massive grand final day right here on SEN's mode. We'll start with crunch time, 11 to 1. Sam Edmund, myself, Gary Lyon. And then the build-up, we'll kick off our coverage from 5 o'clock with Jack Heverin, Terry Wallace, Brent Staker, Waitley, our next guest, Terry Wallace and myself. All involved. It's going to be massive. And Anthony Hudson, the best caller in the business, joins us. Hutto, thanks for your time. Uh, hello, Kane. Morning, everyone. Great to be with you on the eve of... Uh... It's most unusual grand final. <laughs> grand final number what for you? Do you know? Calling. Uh, as, a, as a commentator? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. My first grand final for radio was 1996, uh, which was Sydney and North Melbourne. Um, I haven't called everyone since then, but I've called a lot of them since then. Mm. So that gives you a rough idea. It's, it's a fair few. It's the first one. I'm first primary grand final I'm going to miss uh, just as a viewer since 1988 um, in the flesh. Yeah, I went. I did miss the the draw, the second one from the draw because I had to go and do the Commonwealth Games for Channel 10. So, um, and self indulgently, I, I said that in my commentary right at the end. It's a draw, and I'm going to miss the bloody. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched what? it all. We watched it all in the. Um, it was quite a few of us. We watched it in uh, the La Lille Hotel in Delhi in the. Uh, before events started that day or in the days after uh, in the Commonwealth Games. So that was an unusual year, but, yeah, nothing's going to top this one, is it, with uh, a grand final at the Gabba between, at night between two Victorian teams. Yeah. Uh, so was was that the most memorable for you uh, out of all the ones that you've attended? W- was that the most memorable? And the second part is what, what was the best grand final in terms of a game that's been played that you've witnessed? Yeah, um, and I heard, I listened at the start of the show and people giving their, their, their memories. Um, 
Probably, I mean, I loved '09. I just from a obviously, you know, from a Geelong point of view, but I, I thought that was just such a grueling grand final. Um, just, I don't think there's ever been any more tackles laid. There may have been in, on a couple of wet home and away games, but for, in a big game, that was incredible. The, you know, the tension around the draw and you know, the St Kilda was was just astonishing. I've, I've, I've recently done a couple of podcasts with the MCG on the 05 and 06 grand final, so mm. I've watched a fair bit of them back. And I, I probably didn't give them enough credit at the time, I mean, because I you know, didn't like how, in some regards, the low-scoring nature of them. But to... to it, to watch the last five minutes, particularly of 05, is just astonishing. But So I've given you about five answers. I'm going to give you one more. 89, for me, the brutality of it, even though Geelong didn't really look like they were a chance until the very end, when the players that were playing, Ablett kicking nine, some of the things that happened that day, it's still hard, still just about impossible to beat for me. Mm. Oh, that, was, that was a long answer, sorry. Kate. No, that's how we, we got there. I'm, I'm, I'm happy because it's hard to split. I'm fascinated about your, your preparation. I hope other people are as well. The first time you've clearly called off a TV screen for a grand final, how, how does your preparation differ for that, if at all? Well, it's probably not really any different. Um, there's no doubt it's difficult. I, I, to be honest, I found it probably more difficult as the year's gone on, just from a from a TV point of view, um, yeah, we have a few extra angles and, and so forth. But for radio, we're just calling what you see at home. Mm. Um, so look, it's not ideal, but um, it, it, it yeah, that's just what the, the year th- has thrown up, hasn't it? So it's it's been fine. We've certainly appreciated that we've still been working that the footy's been on, um, and really most of the listeners probably wouldn't wouldn't notice. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been preparing in the same way, and grand finals are different to prepare for. I think. You know, you know a fair bit, obviously, about the two teams, but there is just something different about the rhythms of the day, and it'll be interesting to see if this feels the same. I always think the first five minutes are really telling and um, mm. like no other five minutes for the year, and then obviously the, the last five or ten can be the same, but um, it can pop up at any time during the, the game, that sort of level of intensity. But those first five minutes when you, you get the feel for both teams and whether they're on, whether they're you know nervous and... But, or whether they're composed, you know, who, who gets away to an early jump and, and what transpires from there. There's a real real different feel around the MCG. So, again, whether that's replicated tonight, um, or sorry, tomorrow night, I, I'm not sure. But, yeah, one thing I do like to do is you just, you know, and, look, you know, we all, we all do it, um, is just to look at how the two sides have come together. And obviously with Richmond, we, we know their story. And what mm. we are clearly seeing is two incredible clubs. Um, with, yeah, and when you think about it, Richmond could win three out of four, and there's nothing to say that if they do that, that they couldn't be ready to win another one next year. Yeah, I know that's putting the cart before the horse, but um, so you look for the storylines, I suppose, of both sides, and for Richmond, it is that you know so many obstacles in the road this year, um, and yet they've they've shown their greatness to get there. And if Dusty was to win another Norm Smith, I mean, really, you you are looking at probably the, the greatest finals player of all time, but his greatest big game performer of all time, or certainly right up there. And then the Geelong journey, you go right back to 2004, Geelong made a preliminary final. That game against Brisbane got replayed a couple of times last week. But to think that they finished top four 11 times in less than 20 years, their fifth grand final, a chance for a fourth flag. Um, and then the other factors in the game, obviously danger, Ablett, Selwood to captain his first one and potentially win his fourth. And then the Chris Scott journey and all that's involved and to lose Tim Kelly, you know, probably the most dynamic player apart from Dangerfield last year, and then to make it, it's, 
it's been quite a, an incredible effort. Has been remarkable. We'll have hours to look at tactics and things like that, and now's not the time. But but uh, you you do support Geelong, of course. Are you, are you nervous that, and we'll have a better idea of the conditions tomorrow, but that uh, control, uncontested, methodical build-up in somewhat slippery conditions may come unstuck with Richmond's pressure? That would be the one concern I'd have if I was a Geelong supporter. Do you share that? Yeah, I do. I do think, though, that they have been, you know, relying on that less. I think they've been moving the ball a little more, certainly out of defence, a little quicker. Um, mm. You know, probably since that Richmond game. Now, whether they can do it against the Tigers is another thing. I think that's one of the absolute critical things. I talk about the first five minutes. Kano, and I mean, it's always something we look for in the Geelong game, isn't it? Are they going to be able to get into that possession game? Are they going to be able to play it? And then will they will they pull the trigger at the right moments and, and move the ball? So... I think that's a very legitimate thing to be nervous about. Um, yeah, and the way Richmond run the ball out of defence themselves and just charge forward, that's something Geelong have not been able to really counter. And then last time, that obviously, the, the Hawkins situation where they where Bolter did a good job, but Grimes got back and others. And so where that playing danger field is a more permanent forward. And with Gary Rowan and the team, how much of a difference that makes are probably the things we'll be looking for early. Mm. Uh, and just moving on to some other issues off the top, I know it's grand final eve, but just a little bit concerned about second-year players nominating their clubs on massive deals. Hutto, is that is that a bigger issue than free agency at the moment? And should there be a mandated four-year period where if you draft a player, they need to stay at that club for longer than what it is currently, and that's two years? Well, just on both issues, and I did listen to you at the start of the show, as I said, um, for me, free agency, if they're going to have compensation, the team that picks up the player should be penalised. So that, to right. me, that would be Geelong gets Jeremy Cameron. They, whatever the compensation is, they have to cough that up, in, in, whether it's direct, their pick mm. that goes to the Giants or whether it's some sort of uh, like the father-son or the academy where you've got to accumulate that amount of points and cough that up. That, to me, would be a, a fairer way of, um, and, and might change some of the inequities in it. I definitely agree philosophically with what you're saying about the second-year player. Whether four years is too much at a limited wage or not, I'm not sure. Maybe there's, um, maybe it's three years, and there's also some other disincentive, whether it's salary cap or something else, for the team picking them up. They Maybe they have to count more in their salary cap if it's a player. I know that's complicating things, but um, yeah, philosophically, I agree with you. And so yeah. I, I definitely think it's something that the AFL have to look at. Um, but then you do start to run in re- into restraint of trade and those sort of things as well, I suppose, along the way. Good on you, Hutto. Look forward to chatting tomorrow. Can't wait, Kane. It's uh, it's certainly been a strange week. I know my yeah, girls are disappointed there was no grand final parade to go to, but we went and bought some Geelong cupcakes. We've got the remote control truck. We're going to stick a Tommy Hawkins doll on that, and that's going to be our grand final parade down our street. So we'll, we'll try and improvise like we have with everything else. And can I just say that to, you know, how great it's been for both sides to make it, but to the Tigers, it really, you know, I know that Brendan Gale um, interview's got a lot of airtime during the week, mm. but just what an astonishing club they have been to, to do what they've done. So congratulations mm. to both teams. Well said to all of that too. Great clubs. Hutto will be in action tomorrow. Of course, the grand final call starts on AFL Nation from 5 o'clock. The best in the business. Calling at home for anyone who wants to tune in and listen to that. Gary Lyon, Jared Waitley also, and lots of other personalities filtering through the commentary box as well. Just on this sentence that I read in the Herald Sun during the week is arguably 
the most 2020 sentence I've, I've read all year. Police will use drones and helicopters to spy on fans illegally celebrating the AFL Grand Final on Saturday. This is out of a Skyfire movie. The Air Wing and the Force's drone unit will monitor crowds at parks, beaches and other hotspots in and around central Melbourne amid concerns footy fans will defy lockdown restrictions. Homes and backyards will also be checked by dedicated enforcement squads as officers saturate Richmond and Geelong. The Metropolitan Ring of Steel will also be bolstered and expanded to back roads to stop people sneaking out of the city to watch the game with mates or in pubs and in regional Victoria. So that couple of paragraphs there is 2020 right there for you. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. But it's time now to get our bet deluxe update with Paul Sebastian. Bet deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Paul Sebastiani, I should say. Paulie, welcome to you again, mate. It is grand final eve. We've had a massive show. People sharing their memories with us. Uh, what are the odds looking like? Yeah, it's all the money. Well, there's actually been a good go for Geelong, uh, surprisingly enough. They're into about the even money mark from about $2.10 with Bet Deluxe. So, a bit of money for the Cats to beat the Tigers. Uh, it's going to be an intriguing game. We've got the two specials on. Uh, so, we've got the Norm Smith special. So, if you back anyone to win the Norm Smith and they uh, finish second or third in the voting, get your money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks. But if you can't be bothered waiting that long... We've got the uh, any player first goal scorer special. So if you back anyone in the grand final to kick the first goal of the game, but if they don't actually do that, but do kick a goal in the first half, get your money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks, Kane. Norm Smith odds, Paul? Uh, Dusty's favourite, $4.50. But uh, I don't mind uh, one of the uh, Geelong Cats players. Mitch Duncan, he's about 14 bucks. It's been a good little go <laughs> for him. And Sam Menegola and Cam Guthrie as well. So... There's a little bit of fluttering at each way at uh, at the longer odds for the for the punters from Bet Deluxe. Great value on Mitch Duncan, fourteen bucks with Bet Deluxe for Norm Smith. If you want one, there, it's hard to go past that. Hey, Paul, enjoy the game, mate. Thanks for your time, as always. No worries, thanks, Kane. Bet Deluxe is serious betting for serious punters and of course you can gamble responsibly. one 736 736 if you want to join in with us this morning on the Captain's Run, have your say on any topic. We're still going to hear from the Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal. Beck Madden will also join us ahead of the Sunday footy show going prime time with Beck and Croft raising much needed cash for children with cancer and the My Room charity. Stick around, plenty coming up. Yeah, you can get involved on one 736 Look, I've been a little bit fired up since Port Adelaide lost the prelim final. I, I mentioned that the tactic not to give any attention to Dustin Martin may have cost them a premiership. And I'm wondering whether Geelong will allow Dusty to run around and do what he always does and not have anyone go near him. And just watch him win another Norm Smith medal. I think I heard Gary Lyon saying, Gary and Tim, this week that champion data have voted Dusty best on ground seven out of his last nine finals. And Port Adelaide didn't lay a glove on him. So we had Ken Hinckley on. And this is, for, for those that are wondering why no one, like me, why no one targets Dustin Martin when they play against him, 
Ken and I had a bit of a debate about this on SENSA during the week, and here's his reasons as to why teams don't tag Dustin Martin. Please call me old-fashioned if, if you like, Kenny, but can, can you explain to me why the first stoppage of the game, Dustin Martin could be standing on his own? Uh, what is the pros and cons of not giving a player like Dustin Martin any extra attention? Yeah, you're, you're an old school tagger, yeah, Kane. We yeah. know that and we get that. <laughs> and we get you understand your game um, now being six or seven years ago was yeah. was the way you could play it. And look, without being without being critical of your game, because you were such a great player for us, is that that relied on you just staying on your person the whole way and disrupting the rest of the team in lots of ways in the way we play today. So... There's not an easy answer for you because you'll, you'll always be able to sit there and say, oh, but you should have done just lock Dusty away. Mm. Dusty plays high half forward, basically, or he plays deep forward or he plays midfield. You're not sure where he's going to be at any one point and you absolutely do your best to have the right person on him. So if he's standing in the middle, we should be comfortable enough to know that Travis Boak or Ollie Wines or you know someone like that size can play against because they're quality players. If he goes deep forward, yet yeah, we can deal with... Um, Tommy Jonas-type players that can go on him. If he goes and sits somewhere between both spots, that can be really disruptive to us. And that's why they've managed to get him into a position now that he's that he's hard to um, have the perfect match-up on. And, and, you know, you watch Geelong this week. They'll be dealing with something similar. But the team the team, the team, team defensive model does outweigh the individual mm. result. Uh, Darcy, sorry, uh, Darcy, the, the, the one or two moments that people talk about would be the Darcy matchups where one ball falls in the middle of the ground where he's just, it's a hack kick and it's just, those two, and the one bit of play that they got right um, when they kicked inside the full of 50, we kicked his second goal, I think it was. That was just, just well done by Richmond. They had him in the right spot, and he took the advantage of that. It's a, it's a good answer, and, and clearly you know the modern game better than, than, than I do, but is there not room for physical attention? Like I'm not talking about a, a one player going to sacrifice their game and, and tag him, but if someone runs past him, well, why can't they bump into him? Why can't... Trent McKenzie, when that ball comes in long and he kicks his first goal, why is there no body contact on the best finals player that we've ever seen? So I get your answer, but when someone's standing next to him, why don't they give him the respect that he deserves? Yeah, well, I think that's a that, that's the more reasonable part, but, but but every one of our players would expect that of themselves to, to at least get some body contact. We spend so much time on you know getting some body contact, but then... You know, you, you can always throw the opposite question back and you go, well, why didn't Boston get body contact mm. on Connor Rosie a couple of times? Who's an outstanding young player. I mean, we, we all rave about that. And we should. He's been such a great player. He's two-time Norm Smith medalist, Brownlow medalist. He potentially could be three-time. Um, but some of them blokes, and you know that, mate, some of them blokes are just so talented. They get the moment that they want and they are, they are where they are in the game because they are capable of doing that moment over and over and over again to whatever opposition they get. There you have it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Does that answer your questions as to why teams don't go after Dustin Martin? I still think there is room for that, but Ken and I beg to differ on that. Let's go to Mark on the Limestone Coast. You also want to continue the conversation. We had a fired up caller ring about St Kilda's recruiting moments ago. Do you want to respond to that, Mark? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Um as a St Kilda um, long-time member, uh, I'd like to run uh, come to Hanbury and Hill's defence. Um, I think that in the two most crucial games of the year, the GWS game 
and the first final, first final we've won in nine years, both played incredibly crucial roles. Um, I don't think we would have won that final without Hanabry on the park. I think he got, what, about 20-odd possessions in that first final? Yeah, I thought his and, form was um, fine. I thought his form was good this year, Dan Hanabry, um, but just just his body and I guess the, the term and the figure that the contract that he's on was, you know, it raised eyebrows with the age that he's at and the history he had with his body would, would be the question. So are you confident that Dan Hanabry has got three seasons left in him after his body continually lets him down would be the question. I think that's a, a fair question to ask. And now that they've given Brad five years, um, it, it's a big offer for a player who is continually on the park injured. Troy is in North Fitzroy. The North coach, Troy, your thoughts? Yeah, mate, that's got to be Boomer, doesn't it? Boomer Harvey. Yeah, well, he's, uh, he has expressed his want to be involved in the game. He's been, yeah, didn't go to the hub and he was stood down as, as a development coach at North. Not sure he's ready yet, Boomer, but uh, certainly one of the smartest minds in the game. But you know, I don't think I don't think they'll go that way. But appreciate the suggestion, Troy. John's on the road. Uh, Dustin Martin, Johnny, should teams tag him or at least pay him some sort of respect? Well, Kano, Kano, my mate, I have to agree with you. I'm North Melbourne tragic, Ben Cunnington lover. But I'll give you some supportive uh, argument for you. Two seasons ago, North Melbourne Richmond at uh, the old Telstra, Ben Jacobs did the job hands down on Dusty Martin that day. Mm. So I support you, Kano. You're 100% correct. Yeah, I think I think you're right, John. I, I just think teams are defeated before they even start. Oh, Dusty, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. He's strong, he's hard to tag, he'll go forward. Just get a player that wants to concentrate and do the job and the rewards will be there. Like Jacobs, you mentioned, Matt DeBoer's done a great job on him. The problem is no one tries and they're defeated before they start. Big last hour coming up. Stick around. Twenty-two minutes past eleven o'clock. A massive week for our next guest. He's the latest Brownlow medalist, and he joined us on SENSA earlier on this morning. Uh, welcome to you, Lockie. No worries, Cornsy. Thanks for having me. Well, how does it feel? You wake up now as a Brownlow medalist. Is it? I guess is it starting to sink in? Uh, not really. Um, it has hit me a couple of times, and um, I still can't really believe it, but. Um, it's been a pretty busy few days and um, it'll probably continue that way until the end of the week and um, hopefully next week I can sit down and um, let it sink in. But yeah, it's been a, a bit of a mixed bag this week. Obviously, we missed, missed out on a grand final appearance with a pretty disappointing display on Saturday night and then Sunday night was a, a massive thrill and a very humbling experience as well. So um, it's been an indifferent week, but um, yeah, it's been a, a good week as well. What was it like? You know the cameras are on you the whole time as as the red-hot favourite. Are you you're conscious of that? Are you worried about your body language or how you're reacting? Like, what was the stresses of the night like? Yeah, I suppose so a little bit. I think as well, um, my table helped out a lot. We obviously had a few guys there from Brisbane and um, we were disappointed with how he played, but they wanted me to enjoy the night as well, and um, I don't think those opportunities come around very often. So they were they were great, and um, they were pretty up and about for me. So that sort of lifted my spirits and allowed me to enjoy the night. But um, yeah, I didn't want to, um, I suppose, let let the um, disappointment of 
Saturday night to show through too much on Sunday, but at the same time, you don't want to appear like you don't care either. So it is a bit of a tricky balance, I suppose. I've spoken to you about this before, but I was trying to work out how you slip through the South Australian club's cracks, Lockie. Can, can you take us back to the draft time? I know you're a late draft pick and you've developed and all of that, but there was one particular club that showed some interest and there was one that showed none. What are your memories of that? Yeah, I remember it pretty clearly. I don't hold grudges, but I certainly use different things to motivate me, I suppose. And um, I did get interviewed by the Crows um, I think it was Matt Rendell at the time, um, only once, and I didn't really speak to them after that. So I didn't think that they would take me, but I thought there was a chance um, I might go to the Crows. But, um, yeah, Port, who I grew up supporting and, and loved Port Adelaide, um, I didn't have any contact with them at all throughout the year. So I quite clearly knew that um, they weren't going to take me, and that probably hurt a fair bit um, playing in the sample, and I was able to cracked through for a couple of senior games so I thought towards the end of the year they might have a chat and see um, what I was like and, and try and get to know me a little bit as a player and as a person but um, it wasn't meant to be and I'm not sure who was, I don't even know who the recruiters were at that stage so mm. I couldn't tell you any of that stuff but it was a little bit disappointing um, and being a poor supporter it hurt a little bit but um, that's okay, it's all ended up uh, all well and good um, for now and, and hopefully I can add a premiership to the list now can I ask you then, your record against Port Adelaide as a player is, is as good as any individual against any team in the history of the game. Go back through your numbers when you play against Port Adelaide. It's frightening. So you say you don't use it, um, you don't hold grudges, but do you use it as motivation when you play against Port Adelaide? Uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I suppose I do. Um, I always try and think of things um, to motivate me through the week and um, it's the same as, as any club, though. Um, but being a South Australian, I suppose it did um, did hurt that little bit more. But, um, yeah, I, the people that were working there at the time um, probably aren't even there now, or I'm not really sure. So, um, yeah, I, as you said, don't hold a grudge, but certainly use it as a little bit of motivation um, throughout the week when, when we play for. When did the penny drop for you? Uh, look, anyone that goes and watches Brisbane train sees how hard you work and the extras you put in and, and have got you to the point and loved an article you did with AFL.com this year about how, you know, you win a best and fairest last year, one of the best midfielders in the competition, but you wanted to get better. You wanted to use the ball and drive it forward and kick more goals. But what, what point did the penny drop for you? You've spoken about Ross Lyon. He, he called you a, a fat little forward pocket to paraphrase him a little bit with that. When did you know you needed to work harder? Yeah, I think that was probably the first step um, in it. I was lucky enough to play sort of 10, 11 games in my um, first season at Frio and, and in the off-season, uh, my first one as an AFL player um, definitely didn't do the work as well as what I could have. I thought I probably thought I was training hard, but um, I wasn't. Um, came back and I probably trained for about four weeks and, and Ross pulled me in for that chat and um, he just said, if you keep going... Um, with this, the way that you go, and we'll, uh, we'll keep you here for four or five years. You'll probably play 20 or 30 games, um, and then you'll be a fat little forward pocket back at Glenelg. So um, <laughs> that was a bit of a wake up call, and uh, I sort of I took it to heart a little bit because when I came back, I, my skin folds were lower than um, all the other draftees from from my year, and 
I mm. felt like I was going okay, but um, I think Ross just saw something in me and wanted to hold me to a higher account. And um, I sat down with my family and my manager and we spoke through it and um, they basically came to that conclusion and, and said, I think he just wants you to um, see bigger and better things for yourself. So um, after that, I think I clicked into gear. I missed out on selection for most of the um, first half of 2013 and then broke into the team and um, haven't really looked back since and played in the grand final that year, which unfortunately we lost and, and that off-season started to get to work. And I think every season since then, I feel like I've improved and I think it was two years later I made the All-Australian squad for the first time and um, I think the end of 2016 I had three surgeries. So 2017 wasn't my best year. I probably went backwards a little bit then, but from then on, um, I feel like I've improved every year, and, and that's my mindset going into this off season as well. Well, off the back of that uh, conversation, advice from Rossi Lyon, uh, Lockie, can we ask can we ask you to compare Rossi Lyon with Chris Fagan? Yeah, they're two different coaches. They go about it um, different ways, but they're both great at what they do. And um, Ross was very tactical, and um, he was a very smart coach. He, he drove players to get the most out of themselves each week, and um, he's pretty demanding, but he was very honest. And um, if you gave 100% of the team to him, he gave 100% back to you. And um, that's the way he was. I actually think he was, he's a great coach, and I'd love to see him back in the job. Um, whether he wants to or not, I'm not sure. But I think he he's one of the best-minded um, coaches in the game. And, and Fags, he's all about relationships. And um, as I mentioned before, He's like a, a father figure, I suppose. For most of the guys, he loves building relationships, loves the, loves the family feel of the club. Um, and he's got the coaches around him that um, really help him with the tactics and whatnot. He's obviously a great mind as well, but um, he leads a lot of that stuff um, to the assistants and to Danny Daly, um, who's he's one of the great minds in footy. Lucky enough to have him, um, but he sort of nurtures and um, grows his players with confidence, and um, yeah, he's he's a ripper as well. So two different styles, but um, they're both effective. Mate, you sort of touched on it before, just how different it is up in Brisbane. But going from Perth AFL Mad to Brisbane, where it is rugby league heartland, how does that sit with you? Are you the type of player? Do you do you enjoy the spotlight, or do you like sort of keeping under the radar a little bit? P- bit tough for you now, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, I, I like um, I like being under the spotlight. I mean, away from the spotlight um, most of the time. I think uh, I do love my footy though, so I try and get my footy fix um, quite a bit. I watch a fair few games and, and things like that. But um, it has been nice over here. Um, you do get recognised every now and then, but it's more of a hey, Lockie, how you going, rather than um, asking why you lost on the weekend and, yeah. and trying to get to the bottom of that from. From the Perth um, fans, I suppose, they love their footy and, and they're invested heavily in um, sort of the workings of the club, whereas I've found the Brizzy fans here um, just say hello and, and move on. So it's a different um, setup. But I think um, this year there's, there's been a lot of interest in the AFL and um, that's a credit to the Queensland government for um, keeping the game alive this year and, and um, the AFL for um, promoting the game here. So, um, yeah, it's been a little bit different this year, but... Um, yeah, there are some differences, but I enjoy during the week just going about my business. And um, on game day when the lights are on, I, I like to try and put on a show and, and get a win for the team. Mm. 
Hey, mate, we spoke to Ken Hinkley yesterday, still reviewing the grand final, uh, sorry, the prelim final loss, and he was watching it as we spoke to him. How are you going to deal with it, and do you watch this weekend's grand final knowing you came pretty close but still a little way away? Yeah, I'll watch it. Um, I'll, I'll be at the game, so um, I kind of, in a weird way, enjoy the hurt, if that makes sense. I, um, it sort of fuels me, once again, a little bit of added motivation for training in the off-season and, and heading into pre-season, watching um, what will be a great spectacle and a great game between two great clubs. So um, I'll watch it and use it to fuel me um, leading into 2021. And um, I haven't actually watched our game yet. Um, I'll probably sit down and do that by myself um, next week once the dust settles. But um, yeah, I'll certainly watch it and see what I could have done better. And um, I can already tell you a couple of things I could have done better. My first quarters in the final series were no good so um, I've got to uh, work on that and make sure if we are lucky enough to get in that position again that I start a bit better than what I have in the last couple of weeks but um, yeah, I'll, I'll be at the game. Before we let you go, you had a close look at both teams. You beat Brisbane in the qualifying and, and Geelong beat you. Uh, who do you think wins? Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Um Richmond been the best side for a few years, um, but I feel like Geelong, the timing's um, really good for them. I feel like they're playing great footy at the moment. They were they were tough to beat. They were too good for us on the weekend. So um, I'll go Geelong in a, a really close one. A Norm Smith tip? Uh, I'll go Gaz. I reckon he'll put on a show. He'll kick three or four, I reckon. What a story that would be. Just as yours has been, honestly, it's been a pleasure to watch you from a kid, a quite humble kid uh, at Glenelg to to where you are now, a genuine star of the game. You've done it with absolute humility and class, mate, and and we appreciate your time. Enjoy the off-season, rest up, and get ready for a big one next year. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for your company and joining the conversation with me this morning. It has been a big show, but before we go, I've got to tell you about the epic event that is on Channel 9 tonight. The Sunday Footy Show team is teaming up with a couple of superstars from Channel 9 and also my room for the big telethon in order to raise much-needed money for kids with cancer. And one of the stars of the show is our next guest, Rebecca Madden. Beck, thanks for joining me. You mean the star of the show, Kate? <laughs> well, let, let, let's address the elephant in the room, can we? Because oh, I've seen yes. all the promotional Shall activity. We? Chompers is nervous. He, he feels like, you know, he has been overtaken as the star, Beck. What, what is going on? Who's mm-hmm. hosting? And is it well, going to be awkward between you and Tony? How often do we see TJ in prime time? Never. Well, is the, yeah, is the news is is the news prime time? Like you're the television no, guru. No, not really. Okay, not really. Sort of seven thirty onwards is prime right. time. So let's just say that TJ is very excited. Like, <laughs> and you know what happens when TJ gets excited? He just wants to take over. No, I'm only kidding. Actually, I'm actually really delighted to be working mm. with you guys from the Sunday Footy Show because it's actually apart from the shows that I'm on, it's my favourite show. Did you know that, Kane? I my did favorite not know show that. Sunday footy show. My favourite right? show. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, and it's extra special, I guess, because your your cats are in the grand final, so it's it's extra important as exciting for you. I've seen you in tears, Beck. Your your emotions <laughs> overcome you in the prelim <laughs> final weekend. Well, what's going on? You've lost it. Billy Brownless and I are in a race 
to be the biggest Nuffy supporters of all time. <laughs> like, we, uh, we get so invested. And the grand final, everyone's so excited about the grand final. And yes, I am, Kane, but it's also excruciating. It's excruciating mm. to watch mm. a grand final when you are a diehard fan. So I'm just going to be happy on Saturday night when the final siren sounds and we're in front. Like, I, oh. it's, it's not enjoyable, the process. I just can't wait till whatever time it finishes on Saturday night. So many storylines. Becca, where do we start? Gary Ablett? Um, that's a really hard one for me. I've known Gary personally for a long, long time, being born, born and bred in Geelong um, and having you know a long association with the Geelong Footy Club with my stepdad being on the board for 10 years when Gary Ablett Senior was playing. And, you know, Gary Ablett was... 18 months old at the club. Like, that's how long he's been, mm. you know, at the Geelong Football Club. And I think it's also, Kane, to be honest, yes, Geelong fans are going to be extremely emotional at the end of the grand final, whether we win or lose, because, you know, it's Gary Abbott's last game. But don't you think it's, it's for footy fans all over? It's not Definitely. just Geelong supporters. You have to pay tribute to one of the greatest of all time. I think that's an excellent point. If you're not a Richmond supporter, I think, most people are looking for Gary Ablett You don't this think weekend. Richmond supporters have any room in their heart? No, 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 definitely not. And then there's <laughs> and then there's the coach. I mean, he well, some would say it's harsh that he maybe inherited that team in 2011. This puts him into rare category as well. I think he's carried himself beautifully this year. I think he does. And there was something that really was really poignant after. Um, the prelim final listening to Joel Selwood's post-match, um, post-match pressure actually on the, the ground. And he said, and this comes from Chris Scott, he said when all of this COVID stuff happened, the Geelong Football Club really saw an opportunity. So they didn't look at COVID like a negative. I mean, yes, it is a negative. But in terms of their football club, they knew that as a football club, they were so well set up. They had such good leaders and they had such experience. And people say, you know, we've got an old side, et cetera, et cetera. But that was actually to our benefit this year because we've got some wise old heads, you know, established family, mm. family groups, et cetera, et cetera. And they saw an opportunity that others would be rattled by this, hub life, et cetera, et cetera. We saw an opportunity. And that's why they're in the grand final. I truly believe that. Channel 9 star Beck Madden joining us today. She's heading up the My Room telethon tonight slash Sunday footy show, trying to keep the Sunday footy show crew in check tonight. What's on, <laughs> what's on the agenda, Beck? I've briefly seen the rundown. There's all sorts of different activities mixed in with some, of course, some much-needed fundraising. A million bucks, I think, is the target. That, that's yes. doable, isn't it, for a great cause? Oh, it's it's doable if we can get every single person on that's listening to your show uh, this morning and throughout the day uh, on the phones tonight. You can also um, donate through the website myroom.com.au. We need every and every little bit counts. We've got some wonderful corporate sponsors. We've got Simmons Homes and Satterley donating a house and land package, which will be auctioned in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, we've got some amazing corporate sponsors, but all the little bit helps. You know, the $1, the $2, the $5 from your kids' piggy banks, all those sorts of things. And, and I don't know if you've ever done it, Kane, but honestly, when you go out to Monash Children's um, Cancer Ward and you walk through those wards and you see these mm. tiny little mm. vulnerable human beings in beds hooked up to drips, you will do anything that you can. And we're so lucky as a My Room ambassador that the AFL community gets behind this cause. We've got so many wonderful ambassadors, players that, that do such great work and raise the profile of this really important charity. 
Yep, and amazing guests joining us tonight without giving too much away, but Max Gorn, uh, Patrick Cripps, I think the Bont's going to jump on, the coach of Geelong, yep. Chris Scott. So stars everywhere tonight. It's going to be a very entertaining three hours, Beck, and um, you'll be at the forefront and I believe of it, we've got, with... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'm really looking forward to <laughs> the wood chop. Are you involved okay. in the wood chop? Well, I'm up in Brisbane, so it's going to be it's going to be difficult. So I will be. Sorry, that was a surprise for you. You've got your own woodshop. <laughs> well, I'm with I'm with Damien Barrett up in Brisbane, so you'll be crossing to us at the Gabba tonight. But looking forward Maybe to seeing you Nathan. You're in your tight little white pants and your tight uh, little singlet, nah. white singlet, your woodshopping Hopeless. outfit. Well, you saw how I went as a fireman, Beck. I would be no better as a woodchopper. So, hey, look forward tonight. Appreciate your time today. And if you can tune in and if you can donate, if you can get involved in any way, Channel 9 tonight, 7.30 for a great cause, a lot of fun, entertainment on Grand Final Eve. Thanks, Beck. Thank you. Thanks, Kane. Good luck for your cats as well. Beck Madden, as I said, 7.30 tonight, the Sunday footy show goes prime time. Shane Crawford, Beck Madden, Patrick Cripps, Chris Scott, some other big players as well on tonight, and we'd love for you to get involved in that. Hey, we're nearly out of time, but what we do have is a massive grand final eve quiz as well. So let's do that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Instead of five questions, we've gone eight. It's a grand final theme. The last Chad's Brothers quiz of the AFL season is up next, and we'd love for you to get involved. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Get to that now. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. 18 holes of golf for two, plus a complimentary drink, thanks to Club Mandalay. Golf's back, a must-play course in Melbourne's north for the winner of the grand final edition of Chad's Brothers Quiz. It's an epic. Eight questions, last person standing. James is in Elizabeth. Morning to you, James. Morning, mate. First question is, which current assistant coach was recently added to the coverage of Channel 7's grand final call? Hmm. No, I'll have to, I'll have to pass, can I? Okay, James. It's a, it's a rough start. He's, he's a triple premiership player. If that gives you any hints, let's go to Brandon in Heidelberg. Hello to you, Brandon. Hey, mate. How are you? I'm very, very well. Which current assistant coach was recently added to the Channel 7 coverage of the grand final? Um, I have got no clue, but um, I'll take a stab at the dark and he knows I the area. Justin Lepich. Oh, it was a good know. guess. It was a really good guess. Unfortunately, Lepper will be in the coach's box for the Tigers, so he won't be able to do uh, commentary duties, but it was an excellent... It, it was a good guess, and you're on the right path. Jack... Jack, which current assistant coach has recently been added to Channel 7's coverage of the game tomorrow? That would be Brisbane legend Michael Voss. That would be Brisbane legend Michael Voss. Question number two. Dusty is the favourite for the Norm Smith tomorrow, while Danger is second. Who is one of the players, there's two of them, that are equal third favourite for the Norm Smith medal? Oh. Oh. Dion Prestia? Good. Good guess. Off to a fly here. Uh, Basher Hawley is the other one who's got a great finals record. Who is the only player to win consecutive Norm Smith medals? Andrew McLeod. Tick. Speaking of Norm Smith, which two clubs did he play for? Oh, 
Oh, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. Geelong and Richmond. <laughs> Neither of those no. two, but you did some heavy lifting, mate. You got us going. Well done to you. So let's go to Fred. Norm Smith, the best player on the ground, will be awarded his medal tomorrow. Which two clubs did he play for, Fred? Well, Melbourne for sure. Uh, yep. I guess now South Melbourne. No, but it was a, it was an excellent guess, Fred. It was a really really good guess, if you know what I'm saying. Michael's in Hawthorne. One of the clubs he played for. This is Norm Smith. Michael was Melbourne, and the other one was Fitzroy. Yes. Question number five. Four to go for you to get your hands on the golf, but also the prestigious award of winning the grand final winner of the quiz. Who kicked the first goal of the grand final last year, Michael? Last year, Tom so Lynch. Was the Giants and Collingwood. No, it was Giants and Richmond, I should say. It wasn't Tom Lynch. Um, it was a player from the Giants who actually kicked the first goal. One of not many. So let's go to Cow in, in South East. G'day to you, Cow. How are you, Kane? Love your show as always. Thank you, mate. Who kicked the first goal of last year's grand final? Jeremy Cameron. It was Jeremy Cameron. Question number six. What decade did the Cats and the Tigers play in their last grand final? What decade it was, was actually it? actually 1967. So the, 60s. so the 60s. Yep. Two questions for the win, my friend. You are flying. The last time the Cats and the Tigers played in a final was last year's qualifying final. Who had... 31 disposals and kick three goals that night. Was it Dustin Martin? It wasn't Dustin Martin, but I, I can't be critical of you for guessing that it may have been Dustin Martin. Let's go to Robert in Brighton East. Good day to you, Rob. Hi. Two questions for the win. The last time Geelong and Richmond played in a final was the qualifying final of 2019. Someone had 31 and kicked three. Who was it? Tim Kelly. Yes. Well done. For the win, when was the last time the grand final wasn't played at the MCG and why? Uh, it was, I was there, 1991. Uh, it was at Waverley and it was because the MCG was being redeveloped. Well done. <laughs> I've got to say, that was clinical, Robert. Your, your memories, you were at Waverley in 91, were you? Well, yes, I've, luckily enough, I've been, I think, probably to every grand final since 71, other than oh. five, three when I was overseas and two when I was away from school. So, um, Who's your team? Yeah, it'll be different this year. Who do you support? Cats. You're a Cats man. All right, are you confident? Uh, well, if you're going to play Richmond in a grand final, better to play it at the Gabba than the MCG. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Rob, word on to you, mate. You are the winner of the last quiz in the in the season, the grand final eve winner of Chad's Brothers Quiz. 18 holes of golf for you, all thanks to our great friends at Club Mandalay. It's a must-play course in Melbourne's north, and golf is back. How good is that? Been a big show, and as I always say at this time every week, thank you to all of you. Um, I mean, there's... So many of you that call up, that text in. Apologies, we don't get to all of your text messages. So many coming through, but we do read them and we, we do appreciate your contribution to the show. Um, my winner for the grand final, I think the team that goes through the toughest final schedule usually puts them in pretty good stead. So I, I think I am favouring Richmond conditions in the favour of the Tigers. So I think they win. And the Norm Smith medal to Nick Vloston is my prediction.
but who knows? Uh, once again, tune into the Channel 9 show if you can tonight and help out in any way, 7.30 on 9. Nothing else to do. So get your fix by doing that on Channel 9 from 7.30 tonight with all the biggest names and colourful characters in the game. Looking forward to being a part of that with Damien Barrett from Brisbane. Well, tune in tomorrow as well on Crunch Time from 11 o'clock as SEN counts down all day to the bounce of the ball. Saturday night grand final at the Gabba. Who would have thought? I'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.